test, test, test. Test. Can you hear me now? We're going to continue our study of Ecclesiastes. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, we're right at the beginning of chapter 11 this morning. Right at the beginning of chapter 11. Last week, Solomon told us about government. He told us about rulers and, and, and good rulers and bad rulers and about how uh, bad rulers think money fixes everything. And he just, he went all the way through this stuff. And, and so I, I ended kind of with a reminder that we do not serve a president or a senator or a ruler. We serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so uh, beyond all of this government stuff, and, it, and it's really easy in our time to get caught up in the, in the government stuff. It's on the news constantly. Don't get caught up there. Because we do not serve a president or a senate or a congress or a, or a supreme court. We serve the king of kings. We serve the lord of lords. We are citizens of heaven. A conclave, a colony of God's people here as ambassadors for Christ. That's, that's who the Bible says we are. And so we don't need to get caught up in the politics. As Solomon has kind of been talking to us, and really if you think back over, I know this has been a long study, where in chapter 11 we started chapter 1, I don't know, beginning of the year, I don't even remember when we started, honestly. But Solomon has, has been talking to us about the sovereignty of God. Now, He's been doing it a different way. He's, he's essentially been telling us about the sovereignty of God by telling us that we're not sovereign. He's essentially telling us about the sovereignty of God by showing us that we're not in charge. There, uh, he, he's saying, as I have said from this platform many times before, he is saying there is a God and it isn't you. Now, I know that's harsh, but it's truth. <laughs> so, so absorb that. There is a God, and it isn't you. Now, I think our current society and culture needs to hear this message. They need to hear that there is a God, and it isn't them. Because, now I'm not going to wade into the transgender debate. I'm just going to say that trying to be God and choosing who I am, that's not a new thing. It was the original sin with Adam and Eve, was it not? So it's not new now. There is a God, and it isn't us. It isn't you, it isn't me. There is a God, and that God is in control. This is His world. This world works the way He decides it's going to work. Now, I, I, we, have, we have discussed Genesis 3 happens, and, and we have the sin, and it, and it breaks everything. It infects and affects everything in this world. So, so we have... This is not the way God originally designed this world, but it is still His. And it's still, everything happens based upon how He wants it to happen. When He wants, where He wants, with who He wants. There is a God, and it isn't us. God is sovereign. So Solomon reminds us of this again, and he he really talks a lot today about the world and how it doesn't, it isn't ours, it's God's. 
So let's read. It is up here behind me. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. Send your bread on the surface of the water, for after many days you may find it. Give a portion to seven or even eight, if you do not know what disaster, what might happen on earth. If the clouds are full, they will pour out rain on the earth. When a tree falls to the south or to the north, the place where the tree falls, there it lies. One who watches the wind will not sow. The one who looks at the clouds will not reap. Just as you don't know the path of the wind or how bones develop in the womb of a pregnant woman, so you also don't know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening do not let your hand rest, because you don't know which will succeed, whether one or the other, or if both of them will be equally good. So he starts out by telling us to uh, cast our bread on the water. Now, I'm going to tell you that this is not practical advice. It should go without saying, but, but soggy bread's nasty, right? So don't actually do this. What he's talking about here is what Jesus said. Jesus said that in God's economy, in, in, in God's world, even in God's kingdom, even here on this earth, in God's kingdom, things are different. To receive, you give. That's what Solomon's talking about here. There are those, there are some commentators that say that this is about trade and commerce, and it's not, I, I don't believe that. In context, what he's telling us is that we, we cast our bread upon the water. We give in order to receive. We give to receive. Jesus said it in, in Luke 6, uh, even Proverbs 11 says, the one who freely gives grows richer. We give in order to receive. Now, that does not make sense in our society. It does not make sense in our culture. What does our culture and our society tell us to do if we want? Go get it. Buy it. Put it on credit. Steal it. Protest until you get it. Whatever, whatever you need to do, get what you want because that's what life's about. Whose advice does that sound like? It sounds like the thief that breaks into to steal and destroy, doesn't it? Sounds like the enemy is giving that advice. God's advice is give in order to receive. Give in order to receive. Jesus said it. Proverbs said it. Solomon's reminding us of that here. And then verse 2, did that sound familiar? Give a portion to seven or eight, for you don't know what disaster may happen on earth. I, I've, I've kind of pointed out that we have a, little, a, a lot of these little colloquialisms with, or idioms that we say that, that come from Scripture. This is, don't put all your eggs in one basket. That's what he's saying. Now, this is practical advice. Verse 1, don't actually put your bread in the water. It's nasty. It's, it's the idea of giving. But this, this verse is practical advice. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. He's, he's saying, well, calamity strikes. You want to have money, goods, whatever, someplace else. You want to have options. Jacob did this in Genesis 32. Esau was coming after him, and so Jacob split his camp into two. And he said, well, if Esau attacks this one, this one can get away. <laughs> so you, you have the idea of spreading the, uh, your, your wealth, your, your goods, 
your possessions. Spread them. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. And then Solomon gives us a few examples of how the world works. These are things that humans have no control over whatsoever. The first one he brings up is rain. When the clouds are full, it rains. Now, I have to tell you, I have three different apps, weather apps on my phone. Three different ones. Sometimes all three are wrong. Sometimes one's right and the other two are wrong. Most of the time, here's, do you remember, um, do you remember studying the water vapor cycle in elementary school? We've been studying this for centuries. (laughs) We've been, certainly decades, we have been studying this and we still can't get it right. We still can't, uh, we can't say what's going to happen at all. Even though we've studied, with all of the wisdom, with all of the computer power, with all of the the, the strength with all of the study. We have people with doctorates in meteorology, and they're still wrong. I have, I have always said, baseball and weather. You can be right three out of ten times and keep your job. Nothing else. Nothing else you, can you keep your job when you're only right three out of ten times. We can't stop the rain, and we can't even forecast it very well. We have no control over this. No matter how, how much of a peak we feel like mankind has reached, we cannot do anything about the rain. And then he talks about a tree. A tree is going to be where it falls. Wow, what such wisdom, huh? But no matter what we do, that's how it works. Mankind and all his wisdom and all his knowledge and, and all of his strength and all of his, all, again, all of our computer stuff, all the stuff we do, trees still fall where they're going to fall. And they still lie where they fall. There's nothing mankind can do about this. Because this is God's world. Things happen the way they happen because he says so. There is a God and it isn't you. There, things happen on this earth because the, this is God's earth. This is God's. And so it happens the way it happens. God can do anything he wants with anyone he wants, anywhere he wants, anytime he wants. That's because he's God. Now that doesn't mean that he's capricious. That doesn't mean that he's just playing with us. We know that everything comes to us from God through His grace and His love. I mean, First John 4, 8 tells us God is love. And so we, he's not, he's not, we're not saying that, that God is capricious and just playing with us. We're just saying that there is a God and it isn't us. We are not sovereign. He is. That's what, what we're reminded here. And then Solomon talks about time. He, time is uncertain. And, it, and it's really interesting the way he comes at time. Because even waiting for the perfect time does not guarantee success. We have a saying, timing is everything. Right? Timing is everything. We say that. We mean it. And it's probably true to a point. But as Solomon shows, if, you, if you're waiting for the perfect time, it doesn't, still doesn't guarantee success. As a matter of fact, I think it actually happen, what actually happens with us 
I call it analysis paralysis. We get so worried about thinking about something that we don't actually ever do anything. We analyze it to the point where we don't actually do anything at all. That's what Solomon says. If, the, if you're constantly analyzing, looking for the perfect time, you're not getting anything done at all. Nothing is going to happen. Now, I will, uh, I will tell you, I'll confess, what we must do is do our work and trust God for the result. That's what we do. We put in our best effort and we trust God for the result. Now, I will, I will confess to you that pastors have a hard time with this because we go over our sermon, we go over what we said, we go over the verses, and we, we are constantly criticizing ourselves. If I said it different, if I said maybe somebody would have, would have, uh, would have responded, we, we constantly work this through. We, as pastors, have to realize we put in our best effort and give God the results. Trust God for the results. And that's not just for pastors. That's for everybody. We put in our best effort, and we trust God for the results. Because what Solomon points out here is a line. There is this line between our effort and God's effort. And we see this really, there's tension in all the way through Scripture about this, specifically in the spiritual growth area. There is this tension between what God does and what we do. If we, you will not spiritually grow if you just sit on the couch, never open your Bible, and just wait for God to do it. You will not grow. Nor will you grow if it's all about you and all about your effort. That's a Pharisee, right? That's exactly what the Pharisees did. There's this line between what we do and what God does. We, we want to hear from God. We open his word, and he speaks to us. We want to connect with God's heart. We worship, and, and, and God draws our heart to his. We have some effort, and God puts in his effort. Think of it, uh, I like to think of it in terms of Zacchaeus. You know the story of Zacchaeus, the, uh, the little tax collector. It's in Luke 19. Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus, and so he comes, he hears that Jesus is going to be walking along this path, so Zacchaeus goes to where Jesus is going to be walking by. Now, Zacchaeus is short, so he has to climb a tree in order to see Jesus. Now, he, you know the story, he sees Jesus, and Jesus sees him, and Jesus says, I'm coming to your house for lunch today. And he brings, Jesus brings salvation to all of Zacchaeus' house. This is how spiritual growth works. We have to put ourselves in the path of Jesus. We may even have to climb a tree to overcome our shortcoming. But it's worth it because we will have an encounter with Jesus if we will put ourselves in the path, be willing to put ourselves in the path and willing to climb a tree if it's there to get in the path of Jesus. We can have an encounter with Jesus that way. Our part, God's part. God honors and blesses our effort toward Him. Always. Every time. So the, Solomon points out this line, kind of. He says, 
in, uh, in, in verse 6, he says, In the morning sow your seed, at the evening, in the evening do not rest. Put forth, forth your best effort, and then trust God for the result. Trust that God will do his part, and trust him for the result. So see, Solomon is now closing in on his conclusion. Now, the, his conclusion is what we have read every week for the last several months, and that is, Chapter 12, verse 13, when all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this. Fear God and keep his commands because this is for all humanity. Solomon has taken us on quite a journey from chapter 1 to here to get to reach this conclusion. He has tried everything. And this is what he concludes. He concludes that life is really about finding God fearing God, and following God. That's it. All of the rest of it is a vapor. All of the rest of it is folly. All of the rest of it is a wisp of smoke when you put out a candle. The rest of life, apart from fear God and keep his commands, find God, follow him, that's what it's about. And he's, and he's taking us through this journey, and it's, but, but just he's zeroing, zeroing in on the target here because he tells us just in these few verses here that we're not in charge. We're not in charge of this world. God is. There is a God, and it isn't you. You are not sovereign. He is. He has sovereign power over everything, including this world, including how things go in this world. He tells us to give in order to receive. Cast your bread upon the water and you'll receive. He tells us, again, that this is God's world and things work exactly the way they're supposed to in God's world. They don't make sense to us all the time. But we're not God. He is. He chooses. He does what He wants, with whom He wants, where He wants, when He wants. He's God, we're not. So Solomon's advice here, cast your seed in the morning, cast your seed at night. Don't let, Put in your best effort, your best effort, and trust God for the result. That's Solomon's advice. So I'm going to ask you this question. Can you trust God? Will you trust God, even in this uncertain life? Will you trust that that he's God and you're not. Will you trust God? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and ask, answer that question. Don't answer it to me. Answer it to God. Maybe this morning you need to take a step toward God. You need to understand your faith. You need to understand the first part of trusting God is trusting what he said and trusting what he did. What he said was that he would save you. And he did in Jesus Christ, his son. He sent his son here to die on a cross for your sin. Do you trust that Jesus paid the price for your sin? Took your place on that cross? Do you trust that, that your sin is forgiven completely by the finished work of the cross? And that... Jesus is waiting to empower your life. He rose again to give you life. 
He's waiting to empower your life to live according to what even Solomon is saying here 3,000 years earlier. Fear God and keep His commands. You can know Christ. You can know God with a simple prayer. Just follow along in your own words and say, God, I know I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that Jesus died in my place on that cross. He died for me. And so I trust His finished work on the cross. And I ask you to come into my life and empower me to live. Bless my best effort toward you with your effort. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Elbow your neighbor, let them know. Maybe this morning you're realizing that over the, you know Christ, but over the last couple of weeks, you've just been torn apart by our society trying to be God. Will you take this moment to ask for forgiveness and remind yourself that God, God is God and I'm not. Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you that we could be gathered today. We thank you, Father, for the reminder that you're God and we're not. That you're in charge, we're not. And so our effort, our best effort, is to follow you. We thank you and we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.